It's a brave new world. And some other line usually goes after that. And we're in it or something. No. Yeah, that's a real thing. Sure. All right. But it's not happening right now. It's just (laughs) we're on the moon with the Cyclops family. The Summers is... Summers is on the moon. Summers is on the moon. Yeah, oh yeah. All right, well, welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. I'm Justin. And today we're talking about X-Men number one, the 2019 relaunch from Jonathan Hickman following House of X and Powers of Ten. Numero uno. Numero uno. You are just itching to open I that tray. I just want to open this she wanted dang to, she, book. She wanted to open I've it wanted on to Christmas. open it since Christmas morning. I keep kind of like Hey, so before you do before you do before you do check out the cover, right? Okay, so, no, check, no, 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 it's right there. Oh, check checking out the I cover. I don't know if it's here, but check I don't out know. There. Okay, I see it. We've got Cyclops. He's there. And there's Wolverine and Jean Grey. And was that Havoc? Yep. Question mark? Havoc. And then there's a there's a lady with the armor, and I don't know who it is. And Rachel Summers. Rachel Summers, and then there's a guy, and he's wearing red. Corsair. That's the leader of the Starjammers. Oh, that's also the Starjammers. Cyclops's father. What? Huh? What? And then who's who's those two? Is that Cable? That's Kid Cable. Yep. Kid Cable. Okay. And then who's this this one way in the back? That's Vulcan. Vulcan. That's Cyclops' other brother. The other brother. The third Summer's brother. Summer's brother. All right. Well. Cool. Uh, and, and here are two variant covers. One is, this one is actually from the Rhode Island Comic Con exclusive Neil Adams variant that... There was only a set number of them, and I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I like this one. That's an homage to Giant Size X-Men cover. Well, let's just talk about Cyclops' aim. Yeah. It's very detailed aim to be shooting his laser beams right through. through all of these people and not hitting anyone at all. Any Cyclops, you know, that's what he does. And there's Magneto. And Storm. So I'm diggity diggity down with that. And then this one was part of a series called Every Mutant Ever, I believe, where each of the six issues, the issue one titles, had a different montage of mutants. And when you put them all together, it had literally Every Mutant Ever. Every Mutant Ever? I don't know if that's true. I would like to see all six of these, and then I want to hear someone name all of them. I'm not gonna be that guy. <laughs> Who will be that guy it's or gal be, or human? Hey, so guess what? Can I open the you book? You can open the book now. Oh my god! Ready? Page turn noise. Now we mentioned it in our preview episode, but give you a, a refresher here. We're going to be doing a little bit a higher level plot recap, kind of going through this issue. We won't be going as detailed page by page, but then Alicia's going to read it. And we're going to have a little bit more of a discussion about it. So in these opening couple pages, so yeah, you do have that cover. You can see it up close. Up close. Which I think is really interesting that you have the entire Summers family and Wolverine. Why is Wolverine there? Right. 
Has he become part of the family? Hey, who knows? Everybody needs a dog. Oh my God, that's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Hey y'all, it's Justin splicing in a soundbite. We actually found that we didn't like the whole plot recap and then revisit method. So I'm just going to splice together the audio from those sessions in this episode. And going forward for the Dawn of X, Alicia's going to read the issues and we're going to talk about them. So we'll see how this works. But I'm definitely not going to do this going forward because it's going to be a nightmare to edit. So these first couple pages... We have our, our, I call it the optic origins, right? So it's Cyclops is afraid to open his eyes and he's talking with Professor Xavier. And he finally does open his eyes and not only can he see for what seems like the first time, but we're in a lab and on that bottom panel, his visor is already in that lab. So this is a Charles Xavier who's been informed by Moira's past lives who's already in his first meeting with cyclops has a decent leg up on his development as a mutant wait a minute we don't know where we are again in a time in the timeline what do you mean <laughs> i thought that all of this just happens after where house of x and powers of 10 ended <laughs> the the look on your face right now is so highly upsetting what do you mean you said this is gonna be easy alicia it's a backstory it's two pages of backstory it's, right. just, it's just showing you. Fine. When I read it, I guess I'll understand it's it. It's just showing you an interaction early on between these two people. Okay. So backstory, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> just kidding. I love it. I'm so happy. I'm so excited. It's a brave new world. It's a brave that, new world. What is that saying? I, I want to Google it. I can't find it. I hate it. I hate everything right now. Listen, friends, fans, listeners, if you know what I'm talking about, hit me up with that answer. If if I'm crazy, that's fine too. So anyway, back to the podcast. <laughs> and now, with the magic of editing, here we are, and I've read the issue. Wow. It's glorious. We're like a whole new place in time. But actually the same place, because this is where we record. This is the room in which we record. So, okay, I've read X-Men. Here we go. Are you ready? Yeah, I I feel like I'm in your shoes. I'm not... I'm the one with the notes. I'm not driving the bus. I mean, I have notes. I have notes. But I'm not driving the bus. You know, I'm like sitting in the back of the car, and I don't know what to do with my hands. You're just going along for the ride. All right. Looking out the window. So are you ready? Very much so. Okay. So first we start out, right? Your tone is not a good sign. (laughs) So, so, okay. No, it's fine. So when we're starting out, right, with these like Cyclops with his eyes closed and all of the stuff that he's saying to Xavier, I really thought, and even though it has the little bubble at the top that says then, or the little Mm -hmm, square, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I really thought that that was when he was being reborn. And I just think it's interesting. And like, I don't really know what it means, but it definitely causes me to question why are they showing this moment from whenever this is. Mm-hmm. This is like the first time Scott gets his glasses or whatever. Yep. So why why is this moment being highlighted right now? 
I think it has something to do with <clears throat> the fact that a this is a Cyclops book, or at least Cyclops is at the center of this book. He is a, a prominent member of the X Men title as the Captain Commander, Commanding Captain, whatever Captain Commander. Captain Commander. And that last panel on the second page, and oh, the things I will show you. So that right, that left corner where you see that fully formed visor that looks almost like a futuristic version of his visor. Yeah. That's a development. That's a change. So this is, this is different than what we've seen in this moment before, at least to my knowledge, you know, this development of, and thinking about placing this in a new retroactive continuity of Xavier has lived experience of working with Scott Summers. This moment can now be read in a different light. Okay. I just thought it was strange because I don't fully recall what the dialogue was when Scott was like opening his eyes. Oh. Um, But that's what I thought. After the Krakoa eggs? Yes, after the Krakoa eggs. I lent Juan your copy of Hoxpox and you can't even... You already gave it to him, you little ninja. Yeah. I mean, that's great. Enjoy it, Juan. I hope you're reading the crap out of that book. It's a brave new world and there's some mutants here. You haven't seen a page like this before. These are going to be at the beginning of issues going forward where they'll tell you high level who's in this issue. All right. Who are the players involved? Polaris. We've got a title page next. Title page. Pax Krakoa. Do you know what Pax means? P-A-X. Pax. No, I think you might have told me before, but I'm not going to lie and pretend I remember. So it's a period in history... Marked by the absence of major wars, usually imposed by a predominant nation. Pax Krakoa as the title of the issue. So war-free Krakoa? Sure. Sure. We are reading X-Men number one by Jonathan Hickman, art by Lennel Francis Yu, ink by Jerry Alangulin, color artist Sonny Go, letterer V.C.'s Clayton Cowles, designed by Tom Muller. And our editorial team, Annalise Pisa, Jordan White, C.B. Sabolsky, and crew. And crew. Pax Krakoa. All right, so here we are. Page. You just interrupted my page turn noise. Hit me with it again. (gasps) Oh, yes. Get it, Storm. Yeah. Uh, I like to think of this issue, the, the two words that came to mind are leaders and lineage. Because we're talking about the major leaders of the X-Men, right? We had Professor Xavier, Cyclops, and now we have a full page of Storm just getting into action on this mission that they're on. They've been clearing through Orcus bases, and this is the last one left on Earth, and they're infiltrating it. These engines of death and the men who insist on making them, as Storm says, they're they're doing this this thing. They're breaking into this orcus base. Yep. I am so digging Storm's ponytail. Oh yeah. That is that is what I wrote in my notes. I'm yeah. digging Storm's ponytail. That's all I got out of this two this, pages, this really. Two page, really. No, actually, I also wrote your charm, Cyclops. Really? Because he says she's like you got to be careful, and he's I'm like always, I'm always yeah. careful, Storm. It's part of my charm. I mean that is that is a textbook. Cyclops line though I mean he is he's the golden boy he's the guy that he is 
incredibly talented at geometry and angles and bouncing his eye beams off of things like he has complete control and and that could also be read as a thing of you know his his control over his power in how that has developed or changed in this new light I, i'm I just, just saying it I, stuck out at me yeah 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 well i i loved the exposition that you get from this page these two pages about just how they're talking about what it is that they're doing like you have no question about where we are we're these are they're tired these are our heroes they've been exterminating oh i'll get to that whole tired thing a little bit later and they're protecting something they're they're kind of going through this big fortress and everybody's retreating as they back up into this area and cyclops is ready to make an entrance so they call in the rest of the team that's on this mission he's gonna make an entrance oh yeah magneto Magneto and Polaris ripping through the tops and also then just ripping through the walls behind it. I love it. I don't really have any notes about these pages. You don't have to. I mean, like, I mean, I think it's great that they're, you know, doing their thing. It's interesting when you read it and you understand, you know, when we were going through it before, it was just like, okay, so they're in this Orca space and now I'm like getting more deep into the information that all the people at the Orca space seem to be like coming together to mm-hmm. to hide Protect something. something. Yep. So that was a fun little yeah. tidbit even, of information. Even the kind of how they talk about the fact that they're retreating you know they're not running they're retreating they're, yeah they're backing up into this location because they're protecting something all right so the gang's all here and they're they're taking on this stronghold this orcish stronghold and the gorillas orcus <laughs> if you're not gonna read and you're gonna skip around visually you gotta at least let me get to the spot that you're gonna skip to visually sorry so this Orcus database has a bunch of knowledge that they're trying to defend. They're willing to die to sacrifice themselves Common to protect theme. it. Yeah, right. And so these mutants are attacking their base. And so these scientists take this mutating compound that turns them into these apes, which I think is just kind of is kind of ridiculous. That's ridiculous. But also read this panel right here with Cyclops. On your right. Be careful. They're sure to be savvy. All these apes have PhDs. (laughs) Come on. No. Oh, no. Okay. So this next next couple of pages or this next page brings about the reason why I asked you to have your copy, um, your original copy of this comic on hand. Um, There are some serious inconsistencies in this book with Polaris and her costume. And so yeah, your face, you were like, what are you talking about? Well, look at the image where, so Magneto, first of all, I love like Magneto rips the roof open and they're like, Magneto. Yeah. Okay. I, mean, so, I feel like that's how everybody responds. Every human response to Magneto in this era is just Magneto. Magneto as they should. Right. But so, okay. So if you're looking in that, in that panel, right, where you mm-hmm. see him floating over, you see someone floating above as well with green hair, but they are wearing this full black jumpsuit with like a green oh, X little, across that it. little tiny image in the corner? Oh, babe, please. Yeah, okay. Right. Don't, don't like be like that. That's legit. That's an issue. Okay. So you see that. And I was like, oh, I wonder who that person is. I think it's Polaris, but I'm not sure. Because then two panels down, you see the close up and it is 
in fact her, and she is not wearing anything remotely close to that. Okay? Okay. Now, just for a moment, we're just going to skip ahead one page. Okay? So you're going to skip ahead. You're going to turn your little page. And you're going to go to this panel where it's Magneto, Cyclops, Polaris, and Storm, and there's all the apes. Do you see them? Do you see it? What is Polaris wearing? She's in mine. She's wearing a black and green cape. She does not have a headpiece on. You're right. So what is that about? Was there some other secret costume design that for Polaris that then got like taken away and they changed it out and they just forgot to edit it in that one page or two pages? Potentially, yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't have an answer on that one. But she definitely does look different. She doesn't have her headpiece at all and yeah. I mean she's wearing sleeves. Yeah. And a and a black like her cape is completely different. It's a completely different costume. So as you can see, you know, I take away really important information from the comics. <laughs> so you're upset about an art thing? <laughs> yes. I'm upset for two reasons. One, when I was working the fir- the first like film job I ever had was yeah. working on an independent film and my job was continuity. So it was my job to scrutinize every image and make sure that everything was exactly as it was before. And so I have a tendency to look for those things and to find inconsistencies. And like the one where she's floating above and she's really, really tiny. It's like, okay, I'm not as upset about that. But this other one, she's pretty prominent in that image. And... What is that costume? And then the other part of me is not so much upset, but just interested in wanting to know, like, what is this other that. costume? Can I please see this other costume? Yeah. You know, maybe that would factor into the cosplay costume that I'm creating. So yeah. that. Okay. Wh- where is Orcus getting the vibranium for their doors? So when when before Magneto breaks, uh, no, once Magneto breaks in and then they barricade themselves in this room, they're like, this door is made of vibranium and Cyclops can't break through it. And so like, is Wakanda supplying Orcus with vibranium because they did not accept the, like Krakoa as a nation? So are, is is Wakanda working with Orcus? Like where's, where's Orcus getting this vibranium? If it's such a rare metal, how could they pop, like, it's you know, rare, to everywhere outside yes. of Wakanda? But it's not exclusive to Wakanda. There are traces of it elsewhere and there are, stories where people go to Wakanda to retrieve it by force, right? You know, so you have this one, it, and it's not the whole base is made of vibranium. It's only this one steel and force door. But we a also- a pretty big door. We also don't know where we are physically. So we could be somewhere in Africa. We could be somewhere connected to or near Wakanda. We, we are not given a location of the space. All right, that's a fair point. I'm just saying that's what I thought of. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Where do you get this vibranium from? Also, I just love that Magneto can get through the vibranium if it's supposed to be, you know, it is technically it's still a metal and he is Magneto, but Mm -hmm. I just like that Cyclops can't do it. Magneto can. Yeah. Well, if you think about it, you know, Cyclops is trying to bust through it, whereas Magneto is taking it and separating it. You know, like mm-hmm. trying to pierce through an industry. Right. And he's just moving it. I'm taking the molecules of this metal and pulling them in different them. locations. Yes. All right. So 
these these orcas peeps okay who are in here who are working fools just straight up fools one of them says how much redundancy do we have between this hub and the forge and then the reply is there's an 80 percent overlap so if we fall our brothers and sisters will still retain a vast majority of the orcas knowledge base 80 percent fools Xavier has five backups. Yeah, you don't know how to. What, data. You don't even. You don't even have one. You don't even have one complete backup. Redundancies. You don't know anything about redundancies. This is why you will die in the mutant revolution. Your entire structure is based on technology and this Knowledge. system that you're creating, and you don't even know well enough to have at least one full backup somewhere. Yeah, yeah, that's valid. That's upsetting. Well, I mean, it's it's just upsetting in a general standpoint, but it's not upsetting because. Ha ha, Orcus. Oh, okay. So Magneto says something. Well, let's look at the rest of this. Let me see how I felt. I only took notes on certain pages. I love it. I love it when there are all of these. So he's going to go. Magneto's going to take them down. He's going to take them all down. Of course he's going to take them down. That's just what he he does. I still don't understand why turning into gorillas is the right choice. Honestly, Um, and I have a note on that. I never had a problem with the science. Like, I never even questioned it until we read it, until we went through it together. And you're like, what is this? Why are they doing this? This is ridiculous. And I I think I just was like, yeah, comics. You know, like, that's that's what you do sometimes in comics when you have a villain and you need to, well, I got to become an ape right now. Yeah. Science. Well, I love that Magneto is like, y'all can go. I'll take care of this. Yes. And then, and then, I that, mean, just that on, close up panel of his face, and he's just like, Hurr. I mean, I, I wrote down, and in, in one of my favorite lines was on your right, be careful, they're sure to be savvy. All these apes have PhDs. Yeah, yeah. You said that when we were going through it, and I was like, that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's Scott trying to be funny, and it's ridiculous. And so, the others go in, and there's dozens of these these captives that they're trying to free that Orcus has, as Storm is building up a gate quickly, which I think is a really cool visual to see. Yeah, I like that little transition. Just that four panel of, I just think that you don't need to show that, but the fact that they did makes me appreciate how powerful she is and also how she's able to manipulate this technology to a new way. Yeah. And I, I just also really like the the team up of Storm and Polaris. I'm like, there's like, not that they're a couple, but they're like a power couple in my mind, you know? Like they're amazing and I'd love to see more of the two of them together. And they're opening each of these, each of these tubes, but one of the captives is not a mutant. What? And technically post-human. Post-human. Post-human, who is a species of things that we've talked about in Powers of Ten. Uh, Storm recognizes this person and asks if you are of the vault. So this is from the Children of the Vault, which is a story that we're going to get a little bit further into. But actually, on this next page, you, you can see that Serafina just disappears. So this this child of the vault uh She's not sticking around for this. This post-human is not... Serafina. Yeah, she's not here for this conversation with the mutants. She's grateful, man. Peace. Great. Thanks for letting me go. Bye. Do I know Serafina? Have I heard of her before? No. I think someone said that name today. 
my real life. Not related to X-Men? No. Yeah. Not related to X-Men at all. Reading through this this whole thing about this girl who's, she's like, I'm not here. You don't see me. Mm -hmm. She's like part technology or whatever. Mm -hmm. It just makes me more intrigued about how the, I I hate to say it, but the phalanx situation comes back or this idea of how like, that's what it's supposed to. Right. How they're becoming one with technology. Post humanity. And of course, we get the the only gods on this planet stand here before you, child, where Magneto, you know, comes back in. Yeah. And then his his reasoning as to why it was so quick. Well, they're a pack mentality. You know, you just had to assert your dominance and everything became quickly became tribal. Right. Well, I wrote that. I, I took notes on that because I was saying I was thinking it's interesting about how he talks about evolutionary throwbacks and how their entire mindset is to make themselves the next stage of evolution. Yet their first form of defense is to go backwards in evolution. Mm. Well, because they're also thinking about what they're trying to do is move forward the mind. Right. But they all, this team of Orcus scientists realized that they were going to fall and that if they were going to fall, that they were going to fall with as much strength as they could. And I feel like that's why I didn't question it because it was like, this was a last resort. This was a last choice. They are breaking through all sorts of our defenses. We have planned for this and maybe only the lead scientists knew about this because even some of the other people were like, is it going to hurt? What is this? Yeah, I mean, it just doesn't. We talked about it earlier, but it still doesn't make any sense to me. Nope. I don't know why you would be like, you know what we should have as a backup? Monkey serum. Okay. Okay. But I just thought it was interesting that he's talking about this idea of a superior force or a superior being asserting their dominance and those. I mean, thematically, it ties to the concept of evolution. So I think if that is the only reason I'm okay with that. Yeah. No, I just I meant more about what Magneto said. Mm-hmm. And how that could tie into, you know, this idea, his overarching idea of asserting dominance and being, you know, homo superior and yep. and all of that. I just thought that was interesting. Okay. All right. So these are all the mutants. Mutants. I don't know why I said that. These are all the mutants that they've freed. Yeah? Yes. Okay. So we have Octopus Lady... And bat wings and Geodude. I don't know. Who are these people? I don't, I don't know who any of them are. They're all just children that we've never seen before. Children. And so she's looking through all these children. She's having a conversation with Storm, who's particularly worried about these two that have been silent. Okay, so then they take, they take all these chillins home. And I just... I love the way that Storm is wanting to be there with the people, like, you know. The people she's just saved. With the people she's just saved. Even though she's and, you know, repeatedly said how exhausted Right, and, and Cyclops is like, oh, you're tired. Don't you want to rest? And I love that she says, you I'm tired. like that. <laughs> you, you give it, oh, you're so tired. Don't you want to, like, he doesn't say like that. I know, but it's, okay. But just it's let, just, from his, just hear me out face. because I'm relating to Storm. So sure. she says, I'm tired of fighting Scott, but I'll never be tired of lifting up our own. Yeah. And, you know, I understand that. I am a person who 
puts other people before myself often. And so that moment of storm putting the the safety, the comfort of these people above her own comfort, right? She could go take a nap mm-hmm. or she could be here and make sure these people have what they need. It just, to me, it showcases why Storm is a good leader yeah. and that she's putting the, she puts the betterment of the team first instead of the glory first. And I will or, you know, will not allude to that. I think other people put the glory first, but I, I like that about Storm and I don't get like, I don't have a lot of connection to Storm in actual story points or anything that I actually know about her. I don't have anything to reference other than like, I think she's a bad mamma jamma and I think she's under represented in the movies and Mm -hmm. so me reading that and going oh wow okay yeah that's something that I personally connect to if I was between Storm and Cyclops in this situation and someone was like someone was saying to me you should go rest I would be like no I'm gonna stay and make sure that these people have what they need because making sure they know that they're welcome and home is of the utmost importance to me Mm -hmm. and it's going to also like make me feel It'll give me that sense of satisfaction or that sense of rest or that sense of accomplishment to know that I've done this for other people. Everything's checked off. Right. It's interesting you say this whole lifting up of our own and a great leader and then this transitions to the next page and and the last panel of this page just... Magneto's back! Magneto! And I just... I love this. You know, the leaders... Why is it showing Cyclops' face when they're saying that? Because that's just him... Because he's jealous? Maybe. I don't know. He jealous. Is that what you're Ooh, reading from that's the what I'm, photo? That's what that, I get out of it. There he's you go. like angsty. Like, Great. they're so excited to see Magneto. But who's excited to see me? No one. No one. And all these kids are kind of running up to Papa Magneto about being strong and, and, and wanting to be as strong as he is. And, you know, I, I want to be like you. And I feel like this is the legacy of Magneto. This is all these children looking up to Magneto, this is who he's always wanted to be. And Polaris at the bottom of that page even says, it's it's like he's a young man again. You know, this is, it's getting a little embarrassing. You know, this is just how Magneto's always wanted to be viewed as the savior of mutant kind. He's finally getting his dream. Yeah. That's beautiful. And Cyclops and Polaris are talking back and forth. They're, you know, Cyclops's dad is in town. The whole family's there. Scott's heading home, and she is invited to come, but she's not going to come. You know, they don't really what are get they, into. Like well, so Polaris and Havoc were. Oh right, you know, Havoc They're being Cyclops's brother. Um, that doesn't really get into where what the status is of that relationship in currently. Right, so it just seems like that's not something she's interested in. Sorry, Havoc. Yeah. And Cyclops goes on about this idea that they've struggled and fought through the fear and the hatred of the humans. And now they finally have a home and and something to fight for. And, you know, Polaris is like, do do you really believe that? And Cyclops says every word of it. You know, this is this is really what they've been trying to do all along the whole time. And now it's happening. Mm -hmm. It's real. Magneto, Magneto is entirely of that same yes breed and I, of leader, that's right? why i think i love him so much well and it you know a lot of a lot of things in this i had written down initially 
this kind of idea of, of lineage and leadership. You know, these Magneto, Cyclops, Storm, I'm not... Of the four, Polaris feels the most out of place to me mm-hmm. in this four-person team. You know, it, it's almost like you're adding a redundancy for Magneto. And the other I can three... I understand that. The other three on these teams, like Storm and Cyclops are the original leaders of the X-Men. Mm-hmm. Magneto is Magneto, right? You know, it just... And then the second half of this book, going into this idea of family, into the connections, and into and you know this conversation in the Grove between Cyclops and, and Polaris, kind of hinting towards a reason why Polaris won't come to the moon. You know, this familial connections. What happens? I I wrote something down about that, but I'm not 100 percent sure where exactly they say it. But he says, Cyclops says, "I have you. I have your father," and. I guess I didn't really, I know that, you know, Polaris and Havoc were a thing, but why does he say, I have your father? Like, just because you're on the same team, like, why doesn't he say anything about Xavier in that moment? He's, like, talking about the support system and his family. And Xavier's always been a part of his support system, though. So, like, that, in a sense, you could almost take for granted in when you're recounting how things are different, how things have changed, right? The fact that Magneto is a part of this team, is a part of this cause, is very different. Yes. And, you know, Polaris was a part of Polaris and Havoc were added to the original five. So there is some some connection, even if it's not as deep as the, the relationship connection that Havoc and Polaris share. There is some, some just historical connection between mm-hmm. Cyclops and Polaris. Okay. Um, the other thing that made me think of of this page specifically is this feels like an expansion of Cyclops's conversation with Sue and his finding of what he's always been fighting for this this mutant peace, this homeland for Krakoa, this place that they always knew that they had the reason to be able to to find and secure and fight for. Mm-hmm. So I have a question, yep. and it's just it's something that's sprung off of um, Scott saying, you know, I remember the day my son was born. I remember the sheer terror of it, not the idea of being a father. My God, I loved that. But I had waited my whole life for that. And he's talking about his son and his idea of this idea that his son has to grow up in in this world that hates mutants and and all of that. And then I was like, "Do, do mutants have squibs? So in in like the Harry Potter universe, a squib is is a non-magical person born of magical parents. Yes. So how did Cyclops know his kid was going to be a mutant? He didn't, but... He didn't. I just, that's that's what the question that came in my mind is the way he said it made me think, oh, he knew from the moment his son was born that he was going to have to endure this life of living a mutant. So I was like, I know... Even if... The son is not a mutant. His father is Cyclops, leader of the X-Men, and there's some obviously even associated. Yeah, I mean, this isn't a this yeah, this yeah. time it's not an attack on something that Cyclops is doing or saying. This time Sorry it's... if I'm getting defensive. You know, I just <laughs> I feel like I gotta rep rep my one eye guy. This he has two eyes. <laughs> <laughs> not a hill to die on. <laughs> okay, but but it was more just that I thought it when I read it because I was like, oh, hmm, I know that like non-mutants, humans can have a mutant child, but once you have mutant DNA, like can not, can mutants have non-mutant children? So that answered my question. So thank you. Yay. 
Okay, so then we get to Cyclops's house, and I don't care. Well, he skipped Orcus. We get an Orcus refresher. So a little. Here's what's Orcus about. Here's that what's Orcus about. Sentence. Yeah, not really. So a little bit about it's. It's just like we see what's happened to Orcus since we've last left them, right? We haven't seen them since the attack on the forge mm-hmm. and the mother mold went into space only briefly when Xavier delivered that message, which I believe I'm not sure it's when that happened, happened before, right? Before, yeah. yeah. Um, so this is director Devo, who we've only seen in a clip from when Xavier delivered that message. So this is that guy that you were like, I don't know who this guy is. And I said, I know who he is. Oh, you know who he is. Yep. And he's talking to Karima. Karima. And. I remember her. Yeah. They describe a little bit about, we get a little more context as to how all these random human scientists and government organizations have come together that they put aside their warring ideologies for human survival. Is this a sentinel with an Orcus logo on it? Potentially. Potentially. It is. I can see it. That's a sentinel body. That's an Orcus logo Yeah. on his shoulder. I don't, why is that surprising? I don't know. I just don't think I've ever actually seen the logo. And it makes, I mean, it makes complete sense. If they had the mother molds, then they right. had a ma- uh, they had a master mold and, and they, they actually, had sentinels. Yeah. And so they actually talk about in these pages how they were working off previous designs and, and re- reconned pieces to make up their operation of sentinel creation and that that might have been a flaw of their initial attempt. Um it comes forward that Karima actually saw this coming, what the mutants did. And that's what Devo's talking about. He's, you know, look, look at what they did to all of our people. You see all these casket looking objects oh. in a hangar. Uh, Karima saw it coming. You know, th- this is a natural occurrence. We push, they push back. And they're, they're talking about just what's coming next. Apparently, Gregor is dot, 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 compromised. Uh, compromise you know something she just lost her spouse she just lost her partner and yeah in she's a, mad right in a self raging in a self-defense for the entire human race human race right yeah you're right i guess i just didn't nothing really stuck out to me when i was reading that that i didn't really get out of our initial conversation about it sure but it is fair to say that i was just about to skip right over it these next handful of pages is, I mean, they're interesting. You get to find out a little bit more about all these characters at play. But really, it's from here until close to the ending. It's all about the Summers house and family. These interactions between the Summers household, the Starjammers members. You actually Star get some floor plans of this habitat on the moon that the Summers live in. So this is a Krakoan habitat. One of the f- three uses for mutants is that it can create a biome. You can mm-hmm. do that whenever, wherever you want. So why not have a place with a really cool view on the moon? On the moon. On the moon. The big family. Okay, so now we're on the moon and we're at Cyclops' house and I care. don't care. Yeah. Only because like I feel like there's just a lot. There's 
There are a lot of characters. There's a lot of characters, yeah, but there's just there's a handful of pages of just banter about nothing. And I would agree with that. So you know, know, it's it's not like any of the okay, two sides of the coin here because one, it's world building, it's characters, it's relationships, and I do enjoy those things. But I don't feel like it's really moving the story forward. And maybe because I don't really know a lot of these characters is why them having, you know, just like mundane conversations about how their steak is cooked or, you know, what else are they talking about? Setting the table. To me, as it felt longer than it needed to be. You know, we do get a lot of information from these characters about who they are and how they operate with other people. Nearly everyone in the Summers family should be socially awkward. You know, they're all time displaced. They're all reality displaced, questionable parentage. Yeah, I thought it was isolation. really weird when the, what is he called? Like young cable this time or something? Yep. Kid cable? Cable, yeah. He's, he's just regular cable? I mean, people might, might qualify it as kid cable to understand the difference between older cable, but he's the same guy. He's just when he was like, mom. Yes. I was like, that's that's it, odd. Yeah, and and... Part of me was reacting to the fact that like maybe it's because I don't really know or like Cable as a teenager. And he has, he's never really had that connection to his quote unquote parents mm-hmm. that is now being exhibited here that it feels out of place. I know you know nothing about who Vulcan is, but his lines of dialogue made me laugh. And Which just, one is that? The gold faced guy? The guy at the at the grill. Oh, the guy at the grill who's like going to mess up Wolverine's steak. Yeah. You put the meat on the fire and expect what? The fire not to be the fire? (laughs) Ha ha. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't know who he is. So, you know. You don't have to. You can can put meat on a grill and not burn it. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) So he has has a lot of. Plasma energy and fire inside of him. Okay, well, there you go. There you go. Information that would have been helpful yep. if I had known it before. Um, yeah, and then... You know, and like the teeth line, you know, a lot of these lines really just to be like, hey, Chode is here and so is Hepzibah. And it, right. Yeah, that's the that's the big green guy's name. I see you shaking your head. I read it. I almost wrote a note about it, but I said, don't go down the gold balls road again, Alicia. And but be, you brought it, it up. Be, it could be Chad. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Chad. It has an apostrophe. Yeah. Chad. Um, okay. And then there's these two girls, right? Yep. These two ladies. One of them is Prestige? Question mark. Is that who she is in the front? Yep. Okay. Who's the other one? You probably Hep- told Hepzibah. me, like, just, literally, just it's yep. in the beginning of this episode, probably. Nope. I mean, I I didn't because these are the rest of the Star Jammers. So these. Oh. Corsair. Who is the guy that Cyclops is talking to? And you may know that's that his dad, right? That's his dad. Yep. And these are the rest of his team. So this, so I wrote this down. The Starjammers are not mutants; they're humans. Correct. I didn't know that. They're aliens, except for Corsair. Did is Cyclops's mom a human? Yep. Okay. I was like, hmm. How? Long backstories. Okay. Well. Maybe we'll find out more. Ooh, intrigue. Yeah, and I mean... And, and and so to know that they didn't know Corsair for a very long time, Havoc and, and Alex, uh, Havoc and Cyclops, mm-hmm. and this whole, like, 
he was not in their life for a majority of the, them growing up. They grew up in an orphanage slash were adopted by other families. You know, that's what I read a lot of this as and and them just so excited about having this family time. To right. It's like it's the family they chose, essentially but peppered now, in with the family that they right. were birthed into or made from. Right. So now this is really their actual family together, in addition to the Starjammers found family and some of the other connections, you know, Logan. And Wolverine. Like, why is he there? Yeah, I don't know. And we get a data page, two data pages breaking down the visual makeup of this house and how, you know, it's it's strategically easier to launch a spaceship from the moon than it is from Earth. So you have this first response and... and Cyclops, whether you like him or not, he <laughs> is the great commander, you know, the captain commander of the the great captains of Krakoa. He is the head. Oh, right. Of oh, the, right. Head of the military, basically, of the, the wartime response. I really like how this diagram slash floor plan of the house gives you the subtle outline of a Krakoan flower. Yep. And like how it's built out of that. Yeah. That's really that's cool. That's the biome structuring. Yeah, that's cool. And on that second page, you see where everybody sleeps. The one thing that people kind of obsessed over, and rightfully so, because it's, it's a little ambiguous as to what's going on here. All of the triplets of rooms are closed off, except for Cyclops, Jean Grey, and Wolverine. Like they have shared doors. They have adjoining rooms. That's... Hey, and we're on the we're on the next page. Um, you know, the you could say there's something to read into that and Yeah, we talked about this bedroom situation yep. and it's freaky and I don't like it. Freaky how? What do you mean? Like why do they have an agreed upon I guess it's not freaky to each their own, yeah. right? Live your exactly. life, do you, whatever makes you happy, but I guess in my mind that their situation isn't like a Well, they're also not explicitly saying anything about it. So we don't know how much of it is. Or right. how much of it isn't. Okay. Fair enough. It's just theirs are the just, only rooms with doors between them. It's just subtext, you know, and it's pretty but heavy But they put subtext. that stuff in there to make you ask those questions. For sure. Because they want you to think and talk and plan and wonder. And hey, hey, we're skimming over that. We've got Cyclops talking to his dad, what Corsair. Up, dad? They are just getting to know each other, getting to talk to each just other about this current dishes. time. Yeah, washing dishes the Krakoan way. Which is weird and gross. Yeah, what are yeah. they doing? What hey. are they sliming their dishes? Yep. I don't understand you people. I would wholeheartedly agree with what you're saying about this next sequence where we're washing dishes. So, um, <laughs> no, think... this is how you wash dishes. No, that's disgusting. Yep. And, you know, they're just uh, they're just trying to relate and talk to each other. I did think it was sweet that they gave him, they gave their dad a Krakoan flower yeah, to make a that. gate or whatever so he could come visit whenever he wanted. And clearly, you know, that's going to prove useful in the future, either from where the star jammers live to where the moon, the the moon where Cyclops lives or vice versa. Like mm -hmm. somebody's going to need to make a grand escape at some point. We're going to need that bridge. Yep. Yeah. And just the fact that we're establishing, this is the first time that we're seeing Cyclops' home on the moon, right? You know, and what this position, what this setup means for the X-Men, that you have a base on the moon to be able to launch from, to 
get into space to be able to watch or protect from to be able to retreat from mm-hmm. yeah so we have a father-son moment and before we end out the issue we head back into space and we check <gasps> out with dr Ayla the Gregor. forge yeah. with no mega mold yeah master uh yes. mother mother okay. mold one day i'll one day. say the right one <laughs> So we check back in with Dr. Ayla Greger, who's talking about everything that's happened. We have Director Devo, who's checking in with her. She and, looks different. Well, I mean, she's gone through some stuff, and it's also a different artist. Oh, well, that's fair. Um, and on the last page, she seems to think that she can bring him back. And there's no further explanation as to what that means or where that goes. That's the end of the issue. That's the last page. Oh, look at that. A parallel between the humans and the mutants. Boom, 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 boom. Bringing people back from the dead. And then we go back to the forge. Yep. And there's our friend, and she's doing something. Yes. Gregor. Gregor. So, I mean, I'm I'm intrigued by how it is exactly. What accent was that? How it is exactly that she's going to be bringing him bringing him back and i keep staring at this pink crystal and and for some reason it reminds me of nimrod and i don't know if that is anything doesn't nimrod have like he has that pink triangle in his chest yep. but i don't know that crystal just makes me think of Nim- nimrod so i'm i'm like what could this connection be how is she going to bring him back because but i also think okay you know how i feel about when superheroes their villain is literally the same as them so it's just like you you know it's this i'm the bad you you're you and i'm evil you i'm your foil and it's the same and so while i you know i think it's great that she wants to bring her love back it's a little bit like, okay, so the mutants are going to be bringing everybody back and then these people are going to figure out how to bring everybody back and we're all just doing the same thing. Well, it's, it's kind of like what Karima was saying about this next step is going to push the other side in a, in a new way. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're doing this thing, they're taking it a, a step further. You know, sure, we took it a step further by making a base in near the sun and producing genocide machines. But they're taking a step further in their response. Okay, now how do we up that? And especially, but their response was attacking. Especially, the- you mix in the fact that she's emotionally connected, and the fact that now she's driven by the death of her partner, and she's going to be doing something drastic, something radical. I I don't know. But they and, don't know. They still don't know that they can bring people back, do they? Nobody knows that. No, nobody. Know, which I think, yes, I would agree, is kind of random. How do you? <gasps> what? Oh well, I just thought of something, but I shouldn't say it now. But it it's about why not. Okay, I mean, I no, I don't. It's something in the book, in the Liberty and Justice oh, book. So I'm not going to say it, but it's about basically, I'll say like a non-spoiler version of it is that they talk about a a mutant being involved in an explosion, and somehow that one mutant is the only one who made it out alive. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder. No, it couldn't be related because it's not in the right time frame. Forget it. Scratch it from the record. Um, I'd say edit it out, but I know you don't do that. 
No, I'll, I'll edit this out. Oh, that's rude. Because <laughs> this is a giant tangent that didn't go anywhere. I thought that the, <laughs> the first time, what was it? Nat King Cole? Yeah, don't just stop talking about it because you're editing this out and it will have no frame of reference. <laughs> that was hilarious. Ah, ha, ha. Put it in the book of Alicia's awkward moments. Okay, so now I have homework. So now you have homework. So what would you think plot-wise? I mean... Was this beneficial? Was this comparable? Was this... It's fine. I I feel like I got the gist of what happens, which is basically like we're introducing this storyline. We're telling you this is... These are the the players. Like, ready, set, here we go. Yeah. So that's good. Um, I'll read it. These apes have PhDs. I don't understand. Apes. (laughs) Why they? Why because they're strong. They're, I don't know, for a group of people who are trying to push their evolution forward for their first line of defense to be go backwards in evolution and go back to being monkeys. Just well, seems all right. So the base was under attack, and it was their last ditch effort to try and prevent the mutants from taking the data. But when did someone say, you know, what's a good idea, guys? Let's make a serum. That can turn us into apes if we ever need a last ditch plan. I don't know. I don't know. That's like, Orcus. Who was like, that's what we need. That's Orcus right we there. We need to get that ape serum so we can go Gotta cray get that. cray. Gotta get that ape serum. I don't know. I'm just saying like whose idea was this? How long has it been around? What other options could have been, you know, in place? Let me get a dragon serum. That's what I'm saying. Like if you're, if you're going to progress your evolution in a defensive mechanism well i think also knowing that the human genealogy might be more comparable also when does it does it wear off or they stuck as apes forever now we don't know oh we can assume oh god stop it with that phrase i'm gonna make you a t-shirt yes we can assume all we can assume all we can assume i want it all right read the book read the book all right do your homework um i mean My last thoughts leaving this are, okay, interested in what kind of experiments Gregor's got going on. Who these sort of, are. Yes, sort of intrigued by the children and these mutants that I don't really know. Mm-hmm. More so, I'm, I want to get into the other stories. I want to know about like... What else is happening? What else is film? happening in the world, you know? But sure. I read it and I did it and it's going to be great. So... Until next time, old friend. Charles. I'm Charles. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan.